WDEL On Demand, brought to you by Stanley Steamer. Air duct cleaning. Delaware's clean air experts. Call 1-800-STEAMER. Elizabeth, welcome. Unless we forget, uh, the crown prince uh, did, after his supposed progressive reforms for women, drivers, and all that, uh, proceed to throw uh, some into prison. Uh, What do we know about that, and is there any uh, hint that they might be released anytime soon? The um, yeah, Hi there. Thanks for having me on. The crackdown actually started just before um, the ban on women drivers was lifted in, I believe, June of this year. And uh, women were being rounded up in May and also in June and some in July. Um, and I think there were 13 to begin with, and a few have been released. But there are at least nine still in prison um, on various trumped-up charges uh, in the kingdom. And we don't know very much um, because there's been such a climate of kind of fear and silence around it. The family and supporters, understandably, are very worried, not just for the women, but I think also for the safety of relatives who are still in the kingdom. So there's been a real kind of silence about this, uh, except for, as you may know, on the part of Canada's uh, foreign minister, Christian Freeland, who started a diplomatic row in August by tweeting that one woman, Samara Badawi, should uh, should be released and that the other female rights activists should also be released. Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned that because that really was the first uh, big uh, riff we had in, in Saudi relations. And some were saying at the time that the crown prince was, uh, or the government was setting up a, a trial balloon to see if the United States responded forcefully on Canada's side. And, of course, the Trump administration did not. Exactly. So there has been a precedent that Swedes and the Germans have in the past spoken up about uh, Saudi uh, domestic policy and rights abuses and both had their hands slapped in both cases. And then I think Christopher Freeland and the Canadian government actually did a really brave thing and, and tried it again. Um, and nobody really came to Canada. Nobody joined the the cry. There was no outcry. There was no sort of international solidarity. So I think the Saudis probably thought, oh, well, you know, it's not a very big deal internationally. You know, obviously, they're huge. Um, uh, they're a huge market for um, arms manufacturers in the West, and, and that's and, and the oil market as well is, a, is a, a huge issue for Western governments. So maybe they felt emboldened by that. I'm, I'm not yeah. entirely Sure. Well, that's the bottom line, the economic considerations. Supposedly, okay. Trump, and I use that verb uh, purposefully, uh, Trump, the uh, human rights considerations. And as I understand it, one of the women in prison could be going up for a secret trial for which uh, uh, the capital punishment could be imposed. Yeah, there are all these rumors that the women, some of the women might be tried on these kind of trumped-up charges, uh, tried in terrorism court, charges that they are um, foreign agents working for um, foreign governments, which, according to all kind of human rights uh, bodies, uh, is just ridiculous. These are women who have been fighting uh, for women's rights in the notoriously repressive uh, kingdom. So not just for the right to drive, but also... um, fighting against uh, the guardianship restrictions, for example, which really restrict Saudi women's uh, rights of movement and and work and things like that. Well, uh, clearly the uh, crown prince uh, was going to do uh, have this uh, allure, this Potemkin village uh, surface story of modernizing slightly, but it was going to be on his own terms. And anyone who advocated uh, on their own uh, grounds, uh, uh, they were not to be tolerated. Uh, Let me ask you generally, because you know ever since this uh, Khashoggi story broke a few couple 
couple weeks ago here in the U.S. media, we've had a number of stories now about how the Saudis have insinuated themselves, have, if you will, infiltrated various American institutions, whether it be uh, lobbyists, think tanks, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, uh, Republicans, and some Democrats. Yeah. Uh, any sense that there's a similar uh, Saudi campaign in, in north of the border in Toronto and Ottawa, or uh, no, it, it, Canada is small fry, it's really the U.S. Uh, that the <laughs> Saudis have concentrated on? <laughs> well, we're not small fry in the sense that you probably know that we have a $15 billion arms deal with the Saudis that was uh, put in place four years ago by the previous uh, federal government to sell um, what are called light armored vehicles to Saudi. And uh, those vehicles, I mean, Canada has rules on, you know, how arms can be used once they're exported. And so we can, in fact, um, place restrictions on those exports. It hasn't happened yet, although the Prime Minister talks about how it could possibly happen, but it might cost us a billion dollars in, in revenue. So that's a really, that's the thorny issue, I think, that um, yeah. Canadians are facing. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean, though, the Saudis have uh, as thoroughly uh, insinuated themselves uh, north of the borders they have here, and some might have interpreted that deal as uh, the previous government's extremely close relationship with the Netanyahu government in Israel. Now, Israel and the Saudis yeah. are aligned, even though they're so vastly different, but have the mutual enemy of Iran, and that explains some of that. Yeah, I mean, there's, and then you get into the war in Yemen and who is supporting who and why there has not been a larger outcry against what is like the greatest uh, uh, humanitarian disaster in the world uh, at the moment, really, with the cholera epidemic sweeping through Yemen. So many Yemenis facing starvation, and the fact that journalists are largely prohibited from traveling and reporting there so that we're not really getting uh, much of the story. I mean, there, you see it come out in dribs and drabs a bit in the New York Times and The Guardian and, and yeah. BBC, but very little news from Yemen. No, well, for that matter, not very much news out of Syria, although it's still... Uh... Uh, an earthly That's hell true. there as well, you know, just to put in in, in perspective. Uh, I guess I'll yeah. just end this by saying, uh, since we're in an international discussion, how do the Turks look to you? I mean, here they persecute journalists, but the <laughs> yeah. last couple of weeks they look yeah. like the good guys here. I, I cannot call Erdogan a good guy oh, ever, I, I don't think. I understand. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I just find it baffling that, uh, you know, a month ago we were criticizing him for his, you know, just blatant crackdown on dissidents, on journalists, as you say, on academics in Turkey, detained often, you know, on also on trumped up charges. And, and yet now he's seemed to be this great defender of freedom because for his own, like, political reasons, he's um, taking on the Saudis in this in yeah. this instance. It's very, it's very dirty. Yeah. Elizabeth, nice talking to you. Thank you for the time. You as well. All right. Take care. Elizabeth Renzetti, national columnist, the Globe and Mail, Canada's national paper, also author of a new book, A Rye and Closely Observed Look at the Lives of Women and Girls, but uh, in this case, looking at the plight of those Saudi women in the Saudi prisons about whom we're hearing very, very little compared to Jamal Khashoggi.